What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Future Elite Podcast, where every Friday, not only we talk about this lovely game of football slash soccer, but we also talk about life. I'm your host, Parsa. In today's episode, we have a special guest who also lives in the Northern Virginia, and believe it or not, we still haven't met in person. It's crazy. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Seppa. How you doing, man? Pleasure having you on the podcast. I'm doing good, man. How's everybody doing? Nice to meet everybody. Um, it's it's been a while, man. It's, yeah. Why don't you just tell us a bit more about yourself and then go ahead. Yeah, so um, my name is Coach Sefa. Uh, everybody knows me as Coach Sefa. First name is Christian, obviously. But um, I'm a soccer player, um, I guess, in training as well. I love playing soccer, having fun with it. I do a lot of coaching on the side. Um, I'm actually a licensed coach as well. That was actually my first thing that I started off with. And then I kind of brought out to uh, doing personal training a little bit here, more and there. Um, so I've been doing coaching for about, let's say, I say almost 10 years now, wow. give or take, um, assisting, coaching, uh, personal training, stuff like that. But didn't really take it serious until the last few years or three years, four years, I assume. But yeah, man, I'm also from Ghana. A lot of people don't really know that. So if there's any Ghanaians watching or people <laughs> from Africa watching, shout out to them. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm also from Ghana, but I've been here since I was like seven or six. So nice, nice. Yeah. One of my good friends is actually from Ghana too. And um, I don't know, I think okay. it's just in the blood of, uh, Ghanians, Ghanians, right? Yeah, Ghanians. Ghanians, and just say soccer is just, they're they're very aggressive. Like you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. it's either you or the ball, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it's yeah, crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. Good. Yeah, Ghanians are, I think, in my opinion, the most breaded in position in Ghana is the midfielders. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of great midfielders. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm, yeah. We're getting off track, but I want to talk because I, I was watching um, the African Cup, the youth team, right? Mm -hmm. And Ghana is literally, like, killing it right now. Like, every team, like, I don't have time to watch the whole game, but, like, the highlights, uh -huh. when I'm watching them, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, their speed, their aggression, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But yeah. um, tell me, um, why did you choose coaching, like, from 10 years ago? What enticed that? And I was like, okay, let me just take the coaching route. Um, I chose coaching because, first of all, I mean, I love soccer in the beginning. I was playing it a lot. Um, I had a route to kind of go, to try to go uh, pro, this and that. Mm -hmm. But um, I kind of just didn't take that route in the beginning. Um, I was with a few uh, coaches here and there who pretty much kind of helped me out in training. They're like, hey, Chris, this is how you're supposed to be doing. This is how you got to be structuring. You know, so I'll go here and there with them, just help them out, train some kids, um, mm. get a free session with them here and there. But, you know, hey, you should start coaching. I was like, coaching? <laughs> like, why? They're like, yeah, man, I mean, at the end of the day, you're getting the best of both worlds. You're, you're still involved in uh, soccer and you're helping other people, you know, this and that. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. But I went for my... Um, F license. I went for my other licenses after that. I just kept going. Um, I think my first club that I coached was 
VSA, uh, Virginia yeah. Soccer Association, which is in Haymarket, Virginia. I uh, was there for a couple of years, met some good players there, met some good coaches, then went to SYC, which is in Springfield. Then I came back to uh, VSA, and I think I've been, I was at SYC for like three to four years, VSA for a couple VSAs now. It's been mm. two years now, but altogether oh, yeah. probably like five. Okay. Yeah. Like coaching so, clubs coaching clubs yeah but uh soccer is just something i love man my dad was a very very good soccer player back in ghana um and he he just you know he breaded me to play midfield a lot and it was crazy but the it, it, the one thing that i did not like was the fact that i'm just running back and forth, running back and forth. And <laughs> it's it's crazy and most of the time, I was like the the smallest kid on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really hit my growth spurt uh, till later on. I, and I tell players, you can be a, size is not a factor in soccer anymore. And size or speed, it's it's just the way you play. And you know, I was taking players on. You know, in Ghana, we play a lot of street mm-hmm. ball and stuff. So our fields aren't like turf. We yeah. don't have that like that. <laughs> yeah, even though our best fields are grass, like, mm-hmm. and people don't realize that. So went ahead and I just kept playing. I think my first my first ever club game was when I was in fifth grade. Went in there. It, I think I scored like three goals the first no yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's wild. In the beginning, I didn't even know how to start because I never played like Actually, instructed soccer. Yeah. 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 So so the, I just stood there and the ref blew his whistle. And I looked at this kid. I'm like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> and he's like, I, I, I don't know. I guess he didn't play the strike to start. So I was no just way. like standing. And then the ref was like, you got to play it. You got to kick it. I was like, okay. So then I just try to, from far distance, I just kick it to the keeper. And like, he's like, no, no, that's not how you do it. You got to pass it back. Mind you, back then it was more so oh, yeah, the ball's yeah. got to be played back. But so, so I was like, oh, okay. So I played it back. Then they played it to me and I'm just dribbling, dribbling. Then I go score. I'm like, Everybody starts cheering. I'm like, oh, okay. So <laughs> that's what it's like. <laughs> so, so this is how it's like. So then, you know, I'm passing, moving, passing, playing, having fun, just doing me. Um, and then I think the last 15 minutes, I'm running with the ball and my, my, uh, the keeper's coming. I'm like, right. He's going to move, right? In my head, I'm thinking he's going to move. I hit the ball. It goes under his feet. I score. He grabs my whole leg and, like, my knee just... I think it dislocates or something. It was like my first game, bro. I was out for like two months. At, yeah, sure at, dislocated at something. fifth grade? Yeah. When you were in yeah. fifth grade? Oh, my Cause God. I, I didn't, because we play street ball, so nobody's going to yeah. be coming around trying to – we don't have keepers. Yeah. So I didn't even know he was going to come out and do it. As this. I didn't jump. That was a problem. Mm-hmm. But after so you that, I learned. Injury. Yeah, you tasted injury yeah. at a very young age. Yeah, do you, I had that do you, injury. Do you recall any like the rehab or like what you went through, what you had to do, or no? I'm I'm be honest, and I don't want anybody else to do what I did because it does. It's not you got to go see a doctor. I did not go see a doctor. Um, How'd you get back in? I don't know if it was dislocated or not. It was probably fractured, oh, it was but probably like a tweak. Yeah, it was probably like a tweak or something. I do know the coach did something to it, but I went home. 
after that, I was just chilling, waiting for it. It was swell. It was swelled up for like a week or two. I was just chilling, waiting for it. Never went to the doctor. My dad yeah, didn't kids, take me. Please. My mom didn't. Yeah, yeah kids, don't. Please don't listen to this right now. You need to definitely go to the doctor yeah. or I should yeah. at least. <laughs> you need to go to the doctor because yeah. I, I, I know people are going to start making fun of me about that, but I'm telling you right now, yeah. that was the worst pain. I think that was the worst pain besides a groin injury, but yeah. It's no joke. I mean, growing, I, I definitely can vouch for growing because I don't know what it is. My growing is crazy weak, but a yeah. little tweak, and it's like you can have yeah, out for like a week or two. But um, uh, t- talk to me about your uh, dad's role in your, like, progress in soccer. Like, how much of a role model or, like, how much did he coach you through it? And, like, tell me about that. Uh, dad role. It was it was tough. My dad, I think, in the beginning, I was just you know really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he was more of the aggressive type when it came when it came to him giving tips or coaching. He didn't really mm-hmm. coach me. Um, I was just good. He he yeah. you know he knew I was good. He he just put me in the games and I would just perform well. Yeah. Um, so the problem was with him. He was more of the nitpicker. You know. He would nitpick. You can do 20 things right, but when you do that one or those two things wrong, he'll just be like, uh, yeah, you, I know you got two assists, but why weren't you able to score three goals like that kid over there, stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not trying to make every player seem like, okay, this is a sad story, but it's not. It's actually stuff that you learn and you kind of um, get over and kind of, grow a tough skin for and not every kid has that uh good oh you know encouragement here and there stuff like that because some kids may have coaches who were always negative to them some kids have parents who are negative to them so it's not always positive but that's from that I learned to be more positive with training kids and stuff like that but my dad was more of the aggressive type yeah he he but I did understand some of what he was trying to teach me um i think it was just could have done been done a better way but he was just more so just trying to you know get me to yeah. understand hey this is how you got to play this is how you got to do this, this yeah i mean he, he's never coached anybody so yeah it's not like he had proper understanding okay this is how you, yeah. you lift a player up this is how where you, we go to coaching education stuff like that they tell us yeah. or teach us these things or we learn but you know i'm his son so at the end of right. the day, he's going to be more tough on me than anybody tough, else. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I feel like so that he, actually, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. All right. I feel like that actually helped you, like you said, like you mentioned, I mean, coaching, because if, let's say, that didn't happen, you wouldn't be as more cautious about, like, how to, um, like, interact with the kids about, like, coaching. If they mess up the drill or, like, mess up a move, yeah. you don't just, like, uh, go at him. No, hey, it's okay. Like, okay, like, let's see what uh, messed up, break it down. So I feel like, yeah, I'm yeah. a big believer of like everything happens for a reason. So like, this most definitely was part of that, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, let's talk about now. We're talking about your coaching. Um, what's your ultimate? Because coaches have many, but like, what's your ultimate um philosophy of coaching? 
Uh, yeah, you write about that a lot. Coaches, many coaches have different ones. Uh, ultimate philosophy about coaching. Are you talking about just training kids or just the game in general when I'm coaching a game? Um, good question. I mean, like either individual or group training. Individual group training. I think my philosophy is um, letting the player understand why these techniques are need to be performed or done. I love questioning the player. You know, mm. for example, if I have some kids that they love skyrocketing the ball, um, they love upper ninety shots. Mm. It's they'll, they'll take like ten of them and make like two. They'll be like, "Did you see that, coach?" I'm like, so why didn't you place the ball on the, on the ground? Like, that's boring. Or it's, you know, it's not cool, this and that. But I'm like, okay. So then I, I challenge them, like, okay, take 10 shots on the floor. And then they make like eight out of 10. I'm like, okay, what is the difference? You know, you're scoring the goals. The ball is going as quick as, if not quicker than the ball coming, going in the air. Um, so, and you're scoring. So, you know. Sometimes my philosophy, my ultimate philosophy is challenging the kid with questions of, and, um, of what they need to be doing and what they should yeah. not be doing. Because I don't yeah. want to tell the kid, don't shoot like that. I want to ask them, why do you shoot like that? Because then when I ask them that and they try to explain it or they'll be like, oh, I don't know. That's what I was told or that's what I was, I was shown or I saw somebody do it. That makes it easier for me. But if they're like, yeah, I do this because this and that, and I'm like, okay. Let's put it to the test because I can't sit there and tell you you're not supposed to do that. Then I'm taking away, you know, your ambition for the game and stuff like that. So if I ask you a question, oh, why can't you open up your hips and use your inside foot and then touch it back to your right and, and hit it? Why do you have to use your outside foot just to touch it again and shoot? And they'll be like, oh, I don't have a left. Have you tried it? Let me show you how to do it, the technique, you know? And if you hit it, and it works, then okay, it's gonna happen. You just need to get used to it, make it a habit. You know, so yeah. questions and being a coachable player, you know, when when the player is coachable, it's <laughs> man. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's so easy. When the kid is coachable and they just listen, you know, they can talk here and but they want to learn, right? They want to yes, learn, not when, because their mom and dad like force them to mess. That's yeah. huge. It is. Especially, it is. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, back to, let's just clear this out real quick. Um, ground shots, especially bottom corners, are the toughest shot for goalies to save. Um, yes. Anyone that wants to argue with me, we can definitely put it out to test. Yeah. So as, as cool as the upper 90s look, trust mm -hmm. me, the bottom corners are always the toughest ones for goalies to save. So always practice both, obviously, but try to... Be comfortable with uh, ground shots as well, but um, yep. yeah, I feel like when when the kids are coachable, and that goes back, in my opinion, like how they're basically raised, right? Because in America, especially, like soccer is not the main sport, right? It's probably like the fourth sport that is very popular. It's it's growing, obviously, but like basketball and American football are the top ones, and that's and where these kids are growing, yeah, and they're growing to watch. So I feel like that's that's why there's less of an ambition of learning compared to like South America, Africa, Europe uh, to here because they've they've 
grown. They've been growing and rate, uh, watching the game and all that with their parents and all that. So I feel like that's why, like, you know what let I mean? Me add, yeah, let me add something on to that part. Um, yeah. I also, I'm going to just be honest because I'm a coach mm-hmm. and a, uh, a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I'm also a parent. Um, this is the thing. Honestly, I think the U.S. soccer system, people are going to hate me for this, and people will agree. It's mostly for money. Oh, yeah. And I oh, think yeah. that shows it. The, the, yes, the European side, majority of the clubs are free, if not super cheap. And it, that's just how it is. And that's how it, it should be. But it's not just, I don't think it's fully like USA's fault because, you know, the, the way the structure is it's yeah. really hard where you know you have football you have basketball all these other place uh teams and uh sports but then over there it's just strictly mostly soccer so it's you know it's like the money's endless and all that stuff but here it's yeah. like you get you get sucked in you can be an ec let's say you're a Loudon player or arlington player and you're playing for the first team and there's like what thousands and thousands of teams and hundreds and hundreds of uh, clubs and leagues. You know what I'm saying? And you're, you're in those, you're sucked in where you go to Europe. Let's just use Chelsea Academy. You know, yeah, U17, U8, U9, U7, U10, U12, Chelsea Academy. So all these players in the Academy teams, it, it's just easy for them to just climb and get there you know, or get spotted and go to like Crystal Palace Academy or Liverpool Academy. And it's it's just easy to get those places. It's easier for them. But in America, it's like there's so many uh, steps you got to take and so much money you got to put in. Like you look at the third team of a Loudon team or something, they're paying like, I mean, just throw numbers out. They could be paying $900 where the first team could be paying $2,000. You know, and that's just, I think sometimes that gets away from people wanting to get their kids out there to actually play this, the game and love it. And if the kid has to worry about, oh, I have to pay for this, I have to pay for that. You know, I've met so many people that are trained that aren't in a team or can't join a certain team because they can't pay for it. Their parents can't yeah. pay for it. Yeah. One kid. Yeah, one kid that I train, I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, he is super crazy with his left foot. He he pays for his own club fees. He works, he, he works, he trains with me, and he also plays for the team. Right now he's not in the team anymore because he can't he can't pay for it. But yeah, this kid is incredibly I'm good. Really yeah. But it's like that stops him there. Now where he's in Europe, that wouldn't be a problem. So those things happen where players are just, you know, losing opportunities. And that's, I yeah. think that's just my opinion why USA soccer hasn't really pushed yeah. like that. It's a money game. Most no, of the time. 100% agree with you. Yeah, it's basically like a, a pay-to-play type of thing. Because like, it's funny how you mentioned, like, there are players that are really nice, have so much potential, but money stopping them from reaching their goals and ambitions and that's yep. just like sad to see right especially like yeah i don't know like it's just 
it hinders their progress. And I mean, if you think about it long term, mm. if those nice players can't improve their game and be a part of this uh, community of soccer for America, mm-hmm. how, why do you expect uh, the national team to be nice? How do you expect that to be nice? If right, you know what I mean. And that's yeah. why we haven't been at the top and like in, in the world because of this reason. Because we're just so worried about the money at the young ages. Yeah, that we. I mean, right. Yep. Right now, USA is coming up though. USA right now, I'd probably say is either the first or second best team I've seen of USA since I was born. Really. Yeah, you the USA team. They they they've got players. Um, I think it's McKinney or something. I forgot his name, but he's in Juventus. He plays uh, their center mid. Um, you got Christian Pulisic. Mm-hmm. All these players. So, you know, Barcelona got two. Barcelona yeah. got two. Yep. Yeah. You got all these players on the come up. You know, um, it's crazy. Uh, I think it's good. They're you know they get into the right yeah. step. Yeah. when it comes to breeding the, those yeah. USA players. But the thing is, back to that, like, I feel like those players had the opportunity to be playing overseas at a very young age. Yeah. And that's why they're developed like that. Like Pulisic, I think he was, he played in England at a very, very young age. And I mean, like, that's just one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, 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 I just makes me upset that we expect, uh, well, even women, I mean, like Americans expect uh, the best out of the national team, but then we are just like so money driven at this stage when they're just getting into soccer, you know. But yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's just a long topic to be discussed. And oh yeah, you know. But uh, what's if let's see, what's your ideal training session like from your coaching to the players' performance? Like, let's say your ideal session of one day, or one training. My ideal training session, um, depending on who the player is, because I always have mm-hmm. something for that certain player. Let's say if I'm dealing with a striker. Um, my ideal training session, usually I start off with some speed and agility in the beginning. I mm-hmm. I set up, the way I set up, if I have the whole field, I use just close to the goal, half of the field, quarter of the field, whatever. Quarter of the field, close to the field. Um, I set up my speed and agility. I set up my passing and ball movement. I mean, I'm setting my speed agility. I, I set up my ball master. Usually they're all kind of intertwined with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have my passing and movement. And then I have a little fitness section, but that's usually on the far corner. But I also have, based on the player, the shooting setup where I can have three uh, cones, three poles, three mannequins, whatever. I have those set up. So... I want that player to come in and realize, okay, we're going speed and agility to kind of warm up, warm th- things up, uh, get a little quick with our feet, uh, ball mastery. And then mm-hmm. from ball mastery, we move on to passing movement, um, understanding, scanning all those things here and there, touches, et cetera, different patterns, all those things. And then we combine that from that passing. I take that and I implement it into shooting. Um, so it could just be me and that player. It could be like the player in the wall boards that I usually use, or it could just be that player in general. Whatever it is, I just like to make sure that that setup is usually there because in order to score, 
you got to receive a pass. In order to push up, you got to be making passes, this and that. But you also got to understand how uh, your ball, your foot movement should be. The ball should move. So, yeah, those yeah, those are things that I usually implement and try to get that player to do. And usually, I don't give them more than forty five seconds break uh, because unless they're really tired. Yeah, yeah. yeah, unless they're really <laughs> tired, I don't get. Yeah, I don't want to kill them. But forty-five seconds, get some yeah. water, catch your breath. Let's get back into it. We go. Um, let's say each round of drill, I probably go forty-five to a minute thirty. The reason why, is because, yeah, yeah. The reason why also is because sometimes kids, depend on their age or players, you know, meant they're gonna get bored. Yeah. So I gotta. Let them get a rest or change it up or switch it up. So I always have like, okay, we're going to do one pass and boom, boom, boom. Okay, now we're using these two poses. Now we're using this right. and that. But I don't get 45 to a minute 30 is usually what I stay in. And yeah. then I keep building onto that. And it makes them continuously think. And, you know, they're not staying with the same pattern over and over. Yeah. What do you think uh, the most challenging uh, ages to train? <laughs> the young, the younger they are, I, I would say my two year, a two year old kid is the most challenging. <laughs> but but uh, I would probably say the most challenging player, at age wise, would be from the age of seven to nine because that's when they're actually finding, they're still getting used to their motor skills with mm-hmm. the ball, unless you know they were kind of just doing it since age three or four, whatever. Yeah they're still they're still working on their motor skills so you can really see when the player is you know is really going to be tough yeah. but that's when you you're challenged and to kind of slow it down and let them get used to it but from the age of seven to nine and then I think from 10 going usually for me it's kind of more easy depending on what uh <laughs> group or what level they're in because they they just come with more experience where the seven to nine they're just learning to kind of move the ball they're not they've never done technical training because I don't know about most clubs but uh, some clubs it's from seven to nine when they go to practice majority is just kind of like scrimmages yeah you know they're not working on these things that they should so it's like they're just used to scrimmaging so when they come to an actual trainer or something, they're like, oh, you know, my this kids never new. done this before, or this is new, you know, so, you know, they love it though. They, they love it because yeah. it's something new, but it's challenging because now you got to kind of slow it down where you're used to those fast tempo players or those players that are older and you can kind of just move things a little bit quicker. But yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. Do I like coaching more than training? At this moment, it's a it's a it's a tug of war. You get what I'm saying? Mm. It's a tug of war. But at the end, future wise, what do I rather? What would I rather do? I would rather just sit back and just train a kid. Yeah. Um, that's elaborate though. That's, that's I want to know why is it a tug of war? Like, what's what's? It's what is it? it's the team. It's the team. Um, mm. If you're a coach and you have a t- a good team, I'm not talking about like play wise, but you know the kids that are really you know wanting to learn and really yeah. love playing that ambition drives you as well but if you have players that are arguing with you 
doing this and that, doing, you know, it drives you off. You don't want to, but both, both of the teams that I actually coach, they, you know, I love them. They're, they're a bunch of great kids. Um, I have a boys team and a girls team and, you know, the parents are great too. So it's like, no, oh, we don't want you to leave this and that. But <laughs> it's, you know, but it, yeah, it makes it challenging because I also want to kind of sit back and kind of, you know, train the players because it it makes me have more freedom to do so. Right. Whereas right. in a club, you're, you're, you're bombarded with like so many players. And all you got to do is just, you know, do as much as you can. You can't really slow it down and stuff because it's, it's a club training. You're not there to kind of, you know, do a personal training. You're there to coach a whole team and get them tactically ready for the next game here and there. And personal training, I just love it because it's, to me, it's fun. Like, I love when kids and their parents just, you know, message me and say, hey, you know, I'm sure you know about testimonials. You know, they, yeah. hey, this, yeah. This move game. I One tried worked. Yeah. yeah, this move I tried worked. Uh, my kid's getting better. She's been doing this. He's been doing that. You know, that's that's the goal. That's that tells you like even if they don't make pro or whatever their goal is, whatever their goal is, you're making a big difference for them and you're making them better. They're enjoying uh, so yeah. playing. Yeah. They're enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. What age are the what age are the both teams? Boys and girls? They're oh nines, so they're eleven oh, huh. right now. We're turning eleven. Okay. That's, a, that's like the younger age. Yeah. yeah. I love the younger <laughs> ages because then when you get as they grow, you grow with them. You don't you don't have to do anything. Just sit back and relax and just watch them play. Yeah. Because at that yeah. point, you know, I always tell everybody like if you're gonna coach, coach the young groups because if you coach the young groups and stay with them, the moment four or five years pass, you don't have to say a word. Like they're just they they know exactly what they're doing tactically, technically. They're just moving. They know each other. But if you're, you know, coaching like ages 17, 16, yeah, especially the boy side, they're like, yeah, we don't care. We're doing like, like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little bit more stuck up and stubborn, but they're still good players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like it's just the ego part that plays a huge role at that age. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) not not all of them. I'll say that. No, no, no. most I'd, of them. I say most of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I've coached those type of ages before. Some, yeah. so most of them are pretty good. Some of yeah. them are just like, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, they like to go <laughs> lot. So, right, right. All right, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast. And if you're enjoying this episode so far, please share it with your friends and family, as it's the only way we can grow this podcast. Well. Besides leaving five-star reviews. <laughs> Thank you in advance. And now let's get back to the podcast. So, yeah, um, I mean, for the clubs, right, I want to get mm. your opinion, like, as a, isn't it very, as a very experienced coach, do you think that's a good starting point for um, just trainers as well to take that route, not only to learn how to um, coach, better way right because they're coaching a, a big group bigger group mm-hmm. uh, but only but also um learn how to like like if they're doing a good job basically the parents gonna see that and they're gonna be like okay uh 
can you train my kid in the future? Because it's happened before. And I want to know, do you, do you suggest that as a starting point? To start to coach? Yeah, at, for a club. Rather than um, just starting training. In my opinion, yes, because, no. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to explain, but. It is a good question. In my opinion, I would say yes. If you're not going to do club, I would say do like rec or something. The reason why is because you really get to see and um, know how to talk to parents, know how the structure of certain things work. And also you you start understanding, okay, this is how these kids um, are playing during games. And this is, you know, what they're dealing with. You know, I'm not saying a kid can't come to you and say, hey, um, so my coach wants me to work on opening out more, uh, splitting the field, this and that. And we wouldn't understand it if we never did coaching. But uh, when you take coaching classes and you coach clubs, you learn more about the game with the kids. It's kind of the same as watching soccer, EPL or uh, La Liga on TV and you're watching these games and you're learning and you're seeing these movements and stuff, uh, you know, and you're seeing, okay, this is how these players play, my favorite player or whoever plays. So when you're watching these uh, players play, you're also not just watching and talking to them and getting to kind of understand uh, the gist of things, but you're also talking to the parents, which is most important because if the parent, if the parent knows that the kid is happy, they're going to keep coming and, you know, continuously training with you. But if the kid is not happy and they're not progressing, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes yeah. it's not just about the progression. It's just about that kid getting that bond. And I think as when you're coaching clubs, you create that bond because you learn fast to talk to parents, to talk to um, players in many game situations. Like, you know, the kid can come to you and say, Oh, um, our team was down 2-0 and I was supposed to do a penalty and I missed, you know what I'm saying? But you see it as a coach and you're like, okay, he missed because of that. But then you're a trainer and he's, he's explaining it to you. You were never, you were, you've never been in a situation where you've seen it. So you're just like, oh, yeah, just next time just hit left, far left. You know, but to me, when they tell me that, I'm like, yeah, I've, trust me, I coach, I had a, a kid that stepped up and, um, I told him to just stick with what he wanted, to, where he wanted to go. And when he stuck with it, he, he finished. Sometimes the keepers and or that run up is intimidating because you're just one-on-one. You know, you have so much pressure, you know, breathe, pick a side, stick with it. Don't use your eyes to pick the goal unless you're trying to trick them. Just, you know, focus on the ball and then put it to the corner that's simple as that because the more you change your mind you know the more you want to change the way you're directing the ball and then you'll probably end up messing up and that's just stuff that I kind of gain knowledge and experience trying to explain to players when I would see it myself you know and I'm like yeah I've seen that happen before this is usually what I tell my players where it's like yeah uh, okay, well, just kick it to the left. Don't worry about it. Next time you'll get it. Or kick it to the right. Mm-hmm. So, yes, definitely. I would think 
it's be, it's good to yeah coach. It can be done without it, but you know it's it's double. It's of better. Course. It's like an yeah, icing on the cake, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, because I I mean, let's go back to that. Like when you mentioned the kid, like talking about the penalty kick and all that. I feel like it's mm-hmm. it's a huge thing on mindset, right? Like especially under pressure, your your mindset. If you're not if you can't control right here, you can't control what's going on up here. Yeah. It's, it's done, right? Like let's say that you see that in training even, right? Like see like one of your players just messes up mm-hmm. a move or a drill and they're just down, they're just upset about it. Uh, they just have that losing mindset, right? They're like, Oh man, I suck, right? How do you help them understand to stay cool under pressure and like like work more on the mentality and all that how do you help them understand that okay um there was one kid that um i had he was a left he was a righty all right and pretty much you know i would force him i would ask him to use his left because i usually i ask the players to use the left and double the repetition and every time he would shoot, he would just keep missing. Like, yo, I suck on my left, I suck on my left. You know, he's just getting upset and he just he's getting pissed off. It's like, I can't hit it. Why am I even trying? I'm like, okay, well, at one point you couldn't even, I, asked, I told him, I was like, you know, at one point you couldn't even hit it with your right. So why do you think now you can hit it? Like, yeah, that's because I keep shooting on my right. I'm like, okay, that's what it is. So you're not going to get it today. And I'm not asking you to get it today, but just keep shooting with your left. And understand this, there's always a technique to everything, the way you're doing stuff. So think about how you're shooting with your right. Are you hitting it with laces? He's like, uh, yeah, I'm hitting it with laces. How are you doing? Are you locking your ankles, toes pointing, et cetera, et cetera? He's like, yeah, well, okay. Think about that same thing. Do it with your left. It might feel awkward, but you might get it. You know, he tries it. It's not a banger. It's not a hard hit, but it goes in, it's, you know, a little smooth, not really fast as his right foot, but it goes in. And I think from that, it's just letting the player know, okay, you're not, you know, you're not a professional. Even professionals make mistakes. So if they, the professionals can make mistakes and still fix it, you know, there's nothing wrong with you fixing your issues as well. And some people think professionals are like gods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I tell them all the time, like, yo, Neymar can make 200 moves. He won't, he won't make every one. He can make 20 shots. If that was the case, he, he would have won the Champions League. Yeah. You know, he would have won it. <laughs> There's nothing. I mean, I'm just saying. He would have won the Champions League. People, yeah. people were, you know, size. I, I honestly wanted PSG to win. Because yeah. that would have been like you know historical. Yeah. But yeah. I also I also wanted Bayern to win because the way they were playing it was just yeah, ridiculously. Yeah, they deserved it. So, but Neymar can make mistakes here and there, and I'm like that. Sometimes it's just letting the player understand that it's the technique and working off of it, and you can you can say composure, but sometimes they don't know what that is. Mm. You can you can sit there and explain. Yeah, you just got to be composed. Like, what what, what do you mean, coach? You know? Yeah. I am I am composed. I'm calm. Like, no, you have to calm yourself in the mind and focus on your technique. 
if you're about to shoot and the player's coming, the composure and the way you're calm is you focusing on the shot, not the player coming to clear the ball. Because at the end of the day, if you focus on that and you hit it correctly and he doesn't show up in time, you're going to take the shot on target. Whereas you're watching him come and you're, you just stop shooting and you just kind of pause and try to move the ball. Yeah. You yeah. just got to take those chances, yeah. No, I like that. It's, it's mostly like breaking down what it actually is, what, what you got to do, right? Like, yeah. like you said, composed. You can, you can still break it down of the definition let the player understand okay like there are steps to this like right that's, yeah. i love that because one of my players actually were in the same situation and i said basically like how did you start walking right as a baby how did you start walking how did you learn how to walk yeah. you didn't know right you kept doing it and you fell you kept doing it and then you got the hang of it and at first, he was like, what are you talking about? And when I explained it, I was like, okay, it makes sense. And like, yeah. I feel like a kid, you just, they, they wouldn't understand it if you tell them right away. You just have to make it more creative for them to understand it the better way and uh, actually listen to it, right? Definitely. But I definitely agree with you on that. Um, yeah. But speaking of that, actually, like what's, what's been the most challenging um, part about your coaching career so far? whether it's like actual coaching or um, training or like players, parents, money, what has been the most challenging part so far? Well, training wise or just coaching as well or both? Let's do both actually. Okay. So for training, I would say my most challenging is um, the fields. Sometimes the fields are unavailable. Sometimes the fields are available. Lucky for me, majority of times the field is available. I know summertime coming, that jump's gonna be packed, but <laughs> I like this. I like the field that I'm at because there's also a good grass side that nobody really cares to go to. You'll have like a hundred players packed on once in on that turf, but that grass is there. So I like that field. But uh field wise is usually the issue. Yeah. Um and then Another challenge, I don't really ever have problems with any parents. I, I don't think I've ever had a problem with any parents. They're, we're usually communicating, talking here and there. But the players, you know, sometimes I get those type of players that are more so like they they joke a lot. You know, they love to joke. And I think it's just the way I come at them because I want to make them feel comfortable, which is always the goal so that they can go ahead and, you know, be able to train the way they want and be able to talk to me the way they want in a, in a respectable manner, of course. Yeah. But, but those players that are, you know, challenging, like, yeah, I mean, why do I need a shooter to the right like that? Or why does the training have to be there? Can we move the cone this way? I have a kid like that. He <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I'm just going to put him out. I'm not going to say his name, but yeah. he's a college player. Uh, wow. From, yeah, yeah, and he, he come, he's, he's, an, he's an engineer. If, he's, if he watches this, he knows what I'm talking about. He's an engineer, yeah. and he's studying engineer, my bad, and he loves to challenge me. Man, <laughs> I don't think he knows it, but he loves to challenge me. 
like I can set up a, a drill and a cone yeah. on this side yeah. and he'll be like he'll pick it up and be like I think we need to move it this way so that we can I just look at him like yo it's such a pet peeve right <laughs> like what is your it's such a pet peeve there yeah. are times not rarely that he's you know once in a blue moon he's correct mm. you know which I can respect but sometimes it's just players can be challenging yeah. and you know they always ask questions, which is good, but it's like, sometimes I just want you to do it, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And then for coaching, the challenging part is um, play time. Play time. Yeah. And then parents, because if they're not getting play time, the parents are coming at you. And that's just something you got to deal with regardless. You can't hide from it. Because unless you have a straight up, because my team plays 9v9, next fall, they'll be playing 11. So unless you have literally nine or 10 players on the team and like, or, or only like two, three subs, you, you're going to get somebody asking for playing time. Um, unfortunately, one of my teams has a little bit more players than the other team, which I don't have to deal with their playing time because they have uh a small roster so they all get playing time but I, my other team has like a lot of players so the playing time gets in the way sometimes um how do you deal with that it's that so hard. hard yeah it, it's hard i deal with it by letting them decide their playing time um and i tell them this weekly and or once in a while i'll, I'll tell them like i'll say i practice hey you're dictating your playing time Think of every try practice as a tryout for the game. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me how many minutes you want to play based off how you're performing during the drills and during practice. So if you're not scanning, if you're not asking for the ball, if you're not being brave to chest the ball, these things, and somebody else is doing it, you're telling me that person, you know, wants it more. Needs to, yeah, wants it more. And that's just it. And I think that's what's made me kind of keep keep it at a level where it's not just up and down, but it's like steady. Because then the parent comes up to me, I'm like, yeah, your kid um, needs to do this, this, and that. And I'm not seeing it on the field. Try to work with them at home or something or get them personal training or something. But if they come two weeks later and it's still the same thing, then the playing time is going to be the same. I can't, you know. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. It's but it's the playing time for me and the and the parents. Yeah. If they're playing, if they're playing great in practice yeah. and bad in the game, um, what I can my thinking is this. Okay, so what? So I'll say, hey, whatever you're doing in practice, why don't you take it to the game? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if you're doing something. Yeah, during the games, there you must not be taking what you learned or what you're doing at practice and not implementing it. Because there's no way, uh, at least in my opinion, that what you because what you do in practice or training is going to affect what you do in game. Mm-hmm. So if he's if he's making twenty smooth through balls and then during the game he's not even playing the through balls or he's trying to just dribble through and do whatever he wants. Who are you impressing? Do you have like a girlfriend? 
Do you have a, you have a mom or somebody that you're impressing? <laughs> is your whole family here? You got to let me know. You know what I'm saying? Is a scout here? Is that why you're doing that? Because, yeah. yeah. And then in the game, I mean, at practice, you're doing scrimmages and you're dominating. You're playing the ball. So unless the whole defensive team on my team sucks and you're just it's making it too easy for you, then that's a problem. But then again, you're still that repetition of you making those nice yeah. balls every time is going to take effect in the game. It's just a training. When, yeah. you keep, when you keep doing the same thing over and over, it's easier. Your touches get better, all that stuff. So that's why I'm saying it, it's easier. But in reverse, if you're doing uh, good batting games, no. Bad in uh, practice. Yeah, if you're doing bad in practice and you're doing good in games, then it's it's hard for me to be like, you know, okay, um, this Jack is doing well in games, but he's just, his practice just looks like he's he's not even playing or he can't play at all. I, I wonder why. Like, so you know, I and then I have what I'm telling the kids: what you do in practice is going to affect your playtime. Everybody's going to look at me like, okay, coach, he he's going on? He, yeah, he, what's going on? He's trash in in practice. Where does he start? Mm. You know. What did he start? So, yeah, it's it, it makes it harder for me, and I wouldn't know what to do in that situation. I think his playing time would have to deduct um, just because if somebody else is performing better at practice, I would have to give him or her more playing time in the game just so that it becomes um, consistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like playing FIFA. Yeah. The more you play the player, the better they get in the game um, and they grow. But if the kid's only doing well during practices, then I mean, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, doing well in games, then what am I supposed to do? I can't really do it. Then I'm like, I got to split your time, man. You're, you're a good player. Trust me. I'll let you play. But there's other people out here that's dominating in practice. And yeah, it's like Moreno giving Deli Ali. Um, play time over Fernandinho or something when Fernandinho's killing it in practice. And that's that's what they go off. Who, who performs well in both, if anything, practice. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I hear both sides. Like, they say at this age, at a young age, you shouldn't be really worrying about, like, winning right with you coaching a club and all that it should be more of like the players actually gaining experience and all that Mm -hmm. but then again the directors of the club are on you they're saying that what's going on you haven't won like a single game or something like that you know so the pressure on that coach is crazy because you have to answer the parents if you don't start a certain player and you have to answer the people that are paying you right so how would you go about, like, what, what do you think the solution to that is? Because that makes it very difficult for coaches to, like, quote-unquote, stay composed, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you think the solution is? If the, if the parents are on my neck about playing time. And Either the, way. Let's say you don't start a certain player, right? And the parents are talking about it to you. Mm-hmm. They're like, what's going on? Why aren't you playing my ch- uh, child? And then you do, 
then the team is just losing consecutively. You know what I mean? And then you have okay. to answer the question. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna just say the kid is not good. The kid is not is not that good. Um, okay. And he there's other players better because that's just always just, uh, the situation. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you just gotta be upfront. So let's just say the kid isn't good. Um, via, I'm not gonna say that most clubs in my area, they're more so of kind of like what you're saying. They they do want the wins, but most of them also, I'll give them props. They also want development of the kids, but the parents mostly want to, you know, see their kids play. Where like majority want to see the team win, and that's not going to be something that can be consistent. You know, you're gonna to have to take something away. Somebody's got to play small to little. And then somebody's got to play a lot if you want to see win. And then you have the directors asking you, hey, why are you losing every game? Okay. Uh, game situation, those situations can be different. But to respond to that, um, if I was the, talking to the parent, I was to let them know that um, it's the quality. It's pretty much the game. The kid is not performing well during the game. I would tell the parent, hey, I think your kid needs to do more of uh, training outside by himself or something so that they can work on those things. You know, I can give him some videos, ideas of things to work on, but they need to work on these things. Otherwise, it's going to affect their playing time. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, a parent can argue back and forth about it, but it's pretty much it. And if you see it, your kid gets on the field and we lose the game. I'm not saying the kid, but it's the position he is, he or she is in. He's right. not able to play it well, and it affects the transition, and we lose the game some way, somehow. But then you see another kid step on, and your kid is off, and the game is just flowing, and we're just killing it. And they come yeah. back on, and then you know, nobody is stupid. Everybody can start seeing that. Okay, this is the, the kid needs this the kid needs to maybe drop down a level or something yeah all those things can happen but i that's what i usually tell the parents um because i want to be straightforward the last thing i I want to do is beat around the bush because then they'll just keep coming back oh yeah yeah next time i got him another game next time i got another game they'll just keep coming back so i'll just tell them straight up um it's affecting his playing time because of this and that this and that i would like him or her to work on this and that then after that, it's you and the kid. You got to work on that. Now the kid gets better, and I'm still not playing him. Then you can come up to me and we can, right, you know. Yeah. But after that, I, even me as a coach, I'll start playing the kid more. Um, from the director's side, if, if I'm losing every game, I'll just say I need better players, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need better players. No, but seriously. Um, <laughs> It, I would just, usually my response would be that um, it just takes time. The kids still have certain things that they need to work on. Um, I'm working with the uh, the players in this situ- these game situations. Uh, the players need to work on defense. We gotta, you know, take extra days or extra time to work on this and that. Um, but they're developing. And usually they're understandable about those things because I'm communicating with them when it comes to that. But 
um, as a technical director, I believe that they should know that not every team that we're going to have is going to be good, not every age group. Because there's clubs here that some age groups like the 09 SYC team, they dominate. Um, Arlington has some uh, teams that just dominate. McLean, all those players, they have teams that dominate. And then you have teams that can't dominate in certain age groups. And for, you know, if I get stuck in a team that can't dominate, the only thing I can say is I, these players just have to, you know, develop. It's going to take them time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good way to put on both scenarios. I was just, uh, I was just testing you real quick. No, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the podcast. So I always ask the guests this question, right? Mm-hmm. Simple words and of this question is basically, what do you think is lacking in today's coaching in America? Uh, soccer coaching in America, based on your experience so far. Uh, <laughs> like, what would you take out and add something to? What would I take out? Yeah. Or add? Like a, like a trade and then add a better option for youth development as coaches to help the youth um, I would, they're going to, they're going to hate me for this. I would take, <laughs> I would take out uh, a percentage of Okay, what I would add is more technical training, like actual technical training. Like I'm not talking about uh, kids running around playing soccer here and there, this and that, you know. Um, I guess I'm going to break it down where depending on the age group, I would take out tactical and add more technical training mm. because tactical is something that will always be ongoing. You can't, you can show people tactical stuff on the board, on the screen, on TV, they get in the game. Every second game situation changes. The reason why is, let's just say De Bruyne gets the ball or your center may gets the ball and he wants to switch the ball to the left. Tactically, your coach is like switch the ball to the left. Whenever you get the ball, switch it to the right, switch it to the left. So he gets the ball. Tactically, that's what we've been working on for a week. I get a uh, centerman gets the ball. He looks to the left to switch it, or he doesn't even look and he switches it because he's been embedded. It's been embedded in his head to just switch the ball. He gets the ball. He switches it. They steal the ball. Or he gets the ball. He switches it. It goes back and forth good four times or good five minutes. Team, the other team catches on. Okay, now they're stepping up and winning the ball every time. So now, tactically, he has to decide. to ch- He has to start changing um, his style that he's been learning for, what, a week? Um, so now he's got to start changing into through balls. You know, it's good. He's working five minutes. Now they're shutting that down. Mm. So they're shutting the through balls, they're shutting the switches. Okay, now he's got to start playing it back. You know, now he's got to start doing one twos. This so he's always going to be changing um, what he needs to do. But let's just say we never we don't have technical in there enough technical because needless to say 
these are the biggest reasons why players come to the trainers because they don't have that technical ability. So let's just say he's learning all these tactical stuff at the age of nine or 10. This is all they're teaching in the club or 11, whatever. Okay. So in my opinion, tactical should probably start at the age of 15 or 16. So from the, that young age to like 15, 16, just technical stuff. So now he gets the ball. We put a technical player in there. You know, so, and then we get that player who's tactical. So that technical player gets the ball. Mm. He turns. Nobody's there. He looks up. Nobody's there. Okay. Now he's got to take on the player. They beam the ball because he's being pressured. Now he's got to control the ball. One touch. The ball's in the air. He's got to control a volley. Um, he's got to learn how to do this and that. So if you get a player in there and you're trying to teach tactical stuff and he doesn't even know how to control or move the ball with his left foot, right foot, um, how to dribble, how to um, make decisions, all these things, how to scan, then that tactical stuff will only go so far, in my opinion. So tactical is something I would take out. And I think people would kind of like be like, no, but why would you take that out? But it's like, you got to understand the de development side comes from the age of seven to like 16. After that, you can start teaching tactical, hey, this and that. But honestly, look at street, street soccer, Brazil, all these players. They're not sitting there learning tactical stuff. They come over here, they're dominating uh, players because they already know what to do with the ball at their feet or before the ball comes. You know, nobody, no coaches on the street telling, hey, play a through ball, this and that. They just know, you know what I'm saying? They just know what to do. They know to make the runs. They know to move here. They know, to, they know not to stand next to the player because they're going to steal the ball. And if they are too close and they get past the ball, they know what to do to maneuver themselves away from the player. But if you don't have that technical player on your team and you, you tell him to switch the ball, the moment he gets it, what is he supposed to do next? He doesn't know because now he can't play the ball correctly inside. He can't shoot. He can't do that. You take 10, 11 players on, from, from the streets of Brazil and you put them on the field, they're going to dominate players here or any player that doesn't have technical ability and all they can do is just tactically know how to make runs and stuff. They're going to shut that down and then they're running circles. you know. And technical ability is not just offense, it's also defense. How do you shape your body to force them out? How do you do that? If they can't do that, because all they're doing is tactically combining as a def defense when they lose the ball, and then somebody comes one-on-one, -on -one, they're facing forward rather than side and pushing them to the weak foot or keeping them outside. You know, they're, they're going to lose against these players who are technically just that good. And nine times out of 10, if you see a good player on the field, it's not his tactical ability. It's the way he's able to technically switch it, put it over play defenders' heads, curve the ball, take the shots, all those things. And that's what I would take and put in more. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. It's funny because no other uh, coach has actually answered that question, has actually said that, and something to definitely think about because, I mean, that you have to understand the game in order to like play a through ball with the outside or like find a gap in between the defenders and all that you have to understand the game but yeah. at the same time you gotta 
just you understanding the game is not the solution. It's like 35% of it, right? The rest yeah. is you actually implementing it, which is the technical stuff. And I 100% agree with you on that. Well, well said, most definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, one, yeah. Last thing I want to add is if I think it was either Pep or Moreno that said it, if you think about it, the only difference I tell these players all the times that I meet, um, if they're a second team player or third team or first team or they're trying to go higher, I'm like, there's only one difference between you and that player at a higher level. And when I ask them, they can't answer it. The answer is, what is the difference? It's just technical ability. If you look at uh, players in Premier League, um, Yaya Torre and all of them, he didn't have speed, you know, all that stuff. He was just technically good. Um, how was even Hazard able to keep the ball so close to his feet and stuff? All of these things. And then you look at the players at second or third division. You know, they got speed. They might have strength. They might have speed. All these things. They might have height. But it's just, you take all that away, you need that technicality. And that's why in the beginning I said soccer is not about speed or strength or height anymore. It's all about the technical ability. And yeah, obviously you're going to have to learn tactical stuff, but groom the kid to the point where when he closes his eyes, he can touch a ball while the ball's coming. You know, you see kids that are passing the ball and they look, do a no look pass. They it's technical, you know, it's just flair. And they can't do that without knowing how to control, move the ball the right way or how to do that. Like you can't just look away and just pass it. You're going to look stupid because it's not going to go to anybody. But, yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This this episode has been very, very informative. And I'm pretty sure the audience is going to take a lot of value in that, especially the young players. Um, besides that, thank you so much, first of all. Thank you so much for being no on problem, this, man, no this problem. episode. It means a lot. Uh, if any the listeners want to reach out to you uh, or find you uh, how can they where can they find you uh, they can find me it's simple coach Sefa um, coach and then uh, S-E-F-A Sam Echo Frank Apple um, you can DM me you can email me but usually just send me a DM any questions whatever I, I'm here to answer but they can reach out to me on coach Sefa there, my YouTube coach stuff, which is probably like inactive. I haven't touched that in the break, <laughs> but I, I'm working on it. I'm working yeah, on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some come spring to summertime, it's yes, it's going to be going again. But definitely reach me on Instagram, um, Coach Sefa. They can catch Perfect. me there. Yeah, I'll put the I'll put all the links and all that in the description as well, so you can just find it there as well. But besides that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. Without further ado, have a great day. Bye-bye. See you guys.